So, last week I did a little bit of an introduction to what I feel God's taking us into, and that is into the book of Acts. And the thing I love about the book of Acts is we get to see the move of the early church at a time where Jesus has just left the, um, the apostles. They've just been, um, in, kind of had this incredible encounter with Holy Spirit. They, they, they're in a new season, and we get to see the outworking. Now, Hebrews 13, 7, I think it is, says, Look to your leaders who taught you the word. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And we don't have to imitate everything that they did, word for word. It's not a formulaic approach of what we're looking for. But it does say imitate their faith. And there's something of the faith of those who went before. And we get to learn from them. We get to learn exactly how, how things worked. And, and we see how do we apply it to what we're doing here. So I feel as we go through the book of Acts, it's not just to kind of understand what they went through there, but how does that impact us now? How do we model what we're doing on what was going on there? How do we see the harvest that we, we are so desperately um, contending for come to a place of knowing who Jesus is? And, and, I, and I'm trusting that this is going to be a practical time. It's going to be a time where as we go through Scripture, we're going to come up with ideas of things that we can do, God ideas, not good ideas, of just how do we impact the lives of those around us. And, and, and I'm even asking you, and this is a, potentially a bold request, but I'm, I'm going to ask each one of us to spend time in prayer and maybe chat to me and say, I think there's something we can do on a Sunday morning is potentially this. As we go through Acts, read Acts, go spend time in it. Let's see, because it's all good and well for me to be reading and presenting it, but, but the reality is, what is God saying to each one of us through this passage? Through, as we start to, to go through this book of the Bible. And, and maybe there's something. So I've got a practical thing that I want us to do today. And we'll go and get into that shortly. But maybe there's something that God places on your heart. You come and say, can we maybe do this on a Sunday morning? As I was reading Acts and I see this happening, here's something that's been stirred up in my heart. And let's, let's engage together. And, and, and let's do something. So as I was pre preparing this week and I was taking a walk along the promenade, it was actually quite an amazing time. And I was just saying, Lord, what is it? And out in the distance, there was this beautiful pot of dolphin. I think, oh, what a privilege it is for us to be here. And it really is. And I just have a sense of excitement over the new season that we're going into, and a sense of excitement as to what God's doing. Uh, last night, Libby said to Shanae, she said, uh, I, I want to change the theme of my bedroom. So the theme was going to be tie-dye, if I remember correctly. And, and she said, I want to change the theme to maps because I love the idea of being an adventurer. And I want to have maps on my, in my room. And for me, something in my heart started to stir because I've been saying to Shanae, where do we put maps? I just want to put maps up in places. I want to have globes. I want to have maps because there's something about the spirit of adventure that speaks to my heart. If I drive past a car that's got uh, two off-road motorbikes on the back, I get there's something of it because off-road motorbikes aren't only limited to riding where people have paved the way. But, but pioneers get to go and ride. I, I often say of KTM riders, um, whenever I've, I've met with KTM riders, 
They, they, they pioneer pods. They're the ones that will lead me into places that I didn't think was right. Like they will say to us, let's go to the beach as the crow flies. And, and they will ride through because they, there's a spirit of adventure in them. I love watching those adventure type movies where they've got this treasure map and they're going in search of the treasure and they, and they face obstacles, they face opposition, but there's something about the adventure. I watched a, a movie, a documentary a while ago, and I think it's called Under the Arctic Sky, and you've probably seen it. Um, but it's a group of guys that go and, and go surfing under the northern lights. Uh, and it's just, there's something of that adventure that sparks in my heart. And, and we have the privilege of having access to the ends of the earth. So, Acts chapter 1, and I want to read through a little bit. I'm going to bounce around. I love the fact that God allows me to make notes and then never, ever wants to come in the right order that I've planned them. But anyway, so it's in Acts 1 from verse 1. I just want to read up to verse 11. It says, In the first book, O Theophilus, now, so this is Luke. It's, it's the continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Um, and he's writing a, a letter to his friend. And he's talking about the... The, the acts of the early church, what, what happened? How did things materialize after the Gospels? It says, I have dealt with, so in the first book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So if he dealt with all the things that Jesus began to do and teach, he's now dealing with all the things that Jesus continued to do in, and as, as he ascended. So things continued to happen. So he says, until the day when he was taken up and after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So if his message in the 40 days that he had after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, as he encountered with his people, and, and the thing that was on his lips was the kingdom of God. So too should it be on ours. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. One of the things that troubles me is how many people who are strong, anointed, and gifted are distracted by the work of ministry to try and figure out what Jesus says is not for us to figure out. It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, speaking about the restoring of the kingdom. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So if we read in verse um, 4 and 5, it says, You heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when we get submerged in water, we get completely covered, and we come out 
In the same way, baptism of the Spirit is not just the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, but us being submerged in Him. I once heard the analogy, the Spirit dwells within us, and there's a difference between drinking water and having it within us, and going and diving into the ocean. There's a difference between the Spirit dwelling within us, and us dwelling within Him. There's something of it, and it says here in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So there's something that is different about us being in the Spirit to the Spirit being in us. And that's something that we as a people need to position ourselves for. It's that picture of the, 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 the um, sugar cane burning. There's something of being in the fire that is just an incredible privilege for us. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heavens as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the way as you saw him go into heaven. So there's this promise that Jesus will be coming back. The same Jesus who died on the cross, the same Jesus who rose again, the same Jesus who sits the right hand of the Father, and the same Jesus who spent 40 days after his resurrection proclaiming the kingdom, and he left with these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He gave us the globe. He gave us the world map and he says, this is your mission and your mandate. Go proclaim my kingdom everywhere. There's nothing that is off limits. There is no boundary that's imposed on us that prevents us from going into the fullness of what God's doing. So how do we position ourselves in a place to receive what God's doing? Acts 4 verse 29 to 31 it says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place in which they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. We see in Acts 1, slightly further on from where I had finished reading, sorry, I know I'm jumping around a bit, but in verse 12 it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from um, the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, uh, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord, unity. Unity is something that we have to contend for. We're devoting themselves to prayer together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And it goes on in verse 15 to say there are about 120 people, all in all. 
So in one accord, they were devoting themselves to prayer. They gathered and they prayed. There's something about gathering, there's something about praying, and there's something about unity that lends itself to the manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So this is how they positioned themselves for where we will go to probably maybe next week into the, the Pentecostal outpouring of Holy Spirit. But, but there was something about this. Acts 4, they had gathered, they were being persecuted, and they were praying. So we need to be a people who are expectant. They came, and the first thing that they do is we need to cry out to God, not to stop the persecution, but that they can continue to speak the word with boldness. So it says, Now look, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal for signs and wonders performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So they didn't say, Stop the persecution. They said, give us boldness to operate irrespective of the persecution because we still want to speak with boldness. We still have an expectation that you will stretch out your hand, that you will heal, that you'll perform signs and wonders because we speak in the name of Jesus. They honor Jesus. So they were expectant. They were together. They prayed. They were facing opposition. I was chatting to a friend of mine this week and he leads a church out in Amschlank and he says, it's been such a tough season for us along the coastline when we see the extent of the devastation and the, and the things that people are going through. I heard a testimony of, of a young man who's at a church in Hillcrest whose brother went missing during the floods. And he goes looking for his brother at mortuaries every two days. He goes from one to the other to trying to see if he could identify who his brother is. Our people are taking strain. We live in a time where this region is under pressure. People are hurting. People are taking strain. And this guy said to me, this church leader, he said, it is so difficult to always present hope in circumstances where sometimes it feels hopeless. But yet we have the privilege to continue to do so. We have the privilege to be a people of hope. We have a privilege to be a people who lift our eyes above the boundaries and are not contained by them. We have a privilege to say, Lord, it's not about the persecution, it's not about the challenges we're facing, it's not about the tough times that we're going through. But what we pray is grant us the ability to continue to speak your word with boldness, irrespective of the circumstance. Lord, continue to stretch out your hand, heal Bring signs and wonders as we glorify the name of our Lord Jesus. And that's a privilege that we have. And that's part of the adventure. I love in these adventure movies where you have these booby-trapped places that they go through. And, and there's invariably someone who's also looking for the same treasure that are hunting them down and following them. And they're on their trail and they experience venomous snakes and they experience poison and they experience random tribes of people who are just out to get them. But there's something about the prize that warrants continuing to go through, to continue to follow the map. And we have the privilege of seeing people come to the place of knowing Jesus. That's the prize. That's our mission and our mandate. That's our treasure. Jesus says there's no greater love than this than he who lays down his life for his friends. 
Are we prepared to be a people who see the value of the prize, rejoice over the lost coming to a place of salvation, saying, I'm willing to endure the heartache, I'm willing to endure the challenges, I'm willing to endure the floods and the riots so that we may see people come to a place of knowing you. They were on mission. They understood the purpose. Holy Spirit is not poured out for us, for us to feel good in experiencing Him. But the outpouring is linked to mission. You will receive power so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the earth. It's linked to mission. And does it feel good? Yes, it does. Is standing in His presence incredible? Yes. Does it bring us to our knees? Yes. But it's linked to the purpose of the outpouring of His power so that we are equipped to do what we're called to do. The giftings of the Spirit come so that we can reap the harvest. It's amazing in these adventure movies how many times one person in the team of people that we kind of support, the good guys, has something special about them. They've got the, the missing piece of the map or, or they've got the, the diary of their parents who did the, this exploring and in there's little key notes that no one else has. We've been given supernatural giftings to do what we've been called to do and bring this mission to completion. And lastly, we need to be a people who honor Jesus. Everything. God of gods, Lord of lords. We need to be a people who speak his kingdom with boldness. But we need to honor him in everything that we do. So I did a little bit of an exercise, and this is where we're going to kind of land with this, and then we can go into a time of prayer together. Um, but before I do, I just want to share a prophetic word that a government of Ken Grenfell shared with Tyron, who leads the NCMI team, in 2019. So this was before COVID. The, the, no one knew COVID was coming. And he had a dream. And in his dream, he drove to a prayer meeting in a, like a, almost like a minibus with a group of people. And he dropped them off. He went to park the vehicle. And as he was walking to the prayer meeting, he realized he had left his Bible in the vehicle. He went back and he got there and the vehicle had been stolen. And as he was walking back, his Bible was in the gutter, but his notes had gone with the vehicle. And he said what he felt was this, that the vehicle represented the church, that his notes were gone, his Bible remained, and he was on his way to a prayer meeting. He said, I feel that we're going to head into a season where the vehicle of the church is removed, but we're going to be left with two things, prayer and the word. He says, even our notes are going to be gone in the, in the process. Unbeknown to him, we were coming to a place of COVID where churches were locked down. They weren't able to meet. And Tyron still phoned him two years later and said, did you know? He said, I had no idea, but this is the, the prophetic picture. And they didn't understand the extent of it, but there's something about prayer and there's something about the word that we need to hold on to at a time like this. And I, and I really just have a sense that God's wanting to bring us as a people into a place where we pray and we pray and we pray. Because there's something of gathering and praying together that leads to an outworking. So today we're going to pray. And, and we're going to pray for our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. And some of the things that we're going to pray for 
are people, places, and churches. So I did a little exercise, and the exercise is that Jerusalem is 125 square meters. If we look at that, if we take Palm Lakes as the epicenter of our Jerusalem, we can go up 62 and a half odd kilometers north and 62 and a half kilometers south and inland. I, I've done the exercise just looking along the stretch of coastline. And, and I realized that we kind of, if we travel south, head to Durban and Umtamzini is north. So that's kind of our, the range of our Jerusalem. Now often we look at our Jerusalem and think it's maybe Palm Lakes, maybe it's Belito, but God's actually saying our area, our sphere, just our day-to-day -day sphere stretches up to Durban and up to Umtamzini. Then from there, Judea was a further 21 kilometers. So if we stretch 21 k's, I'm using a little bit of poetic license here, but if we go 21 k's south, we, we pretty much hit a Mamzentoti. If we go 21 k's north, we hit approximately just, just south of Richards Bay. So that would be our Judea, is kind of Toti to, to Richards Bay area. And then Samaria is a further 160 k's. So if we go from, from the outstretches 160 k's, if we carry on south, we hit the Wild Coast Sun. So we're kind of breaching into the Eastern Cape. And Mboazana is the area north where we kind of hit, which is past St. Lucia, but before Cozy Bay area is kind of where our, our Samaria is. And what I want to do today is I want to take some time, and we're going to break up into groups, but I want to pray for people, places, and churches within our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then outside of it to the ends of the earth, because we've been given no boundary. We've been given areas that are close to us, and then we've been given free reign beyond that as well. So, um, yeah, so let's leave it there, and then I'll, I'll announce from, from here where we're going to go to. But we'll close from here, and then we can break up into our groups.